Hello, everyone, and welcome to Third Eye with Lorelai. I'm your host, Lorelai, where we talk all things metaphysics. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of Third Eye with Lorelai. Happy Beltane, everyone. It is officially May, and I'm so excited to talk to you about Beltane and all of its amazing properties. It's the next wheel of the year season. So it's a fertility and fire festival. It's very exciting. It's a really big deal in a lot of pagan cultures. And yeah, it's sort of like Christmas time, but for summer, if you will. Eh, maybe not. Either way, it's a it's the opposite, but in equal importance as Halloween or Samhain. So Halloween is a, or Samhain is a celebration of things that are sort of ending. That's why you see a lot of celebration of, of death and people who are already dead on the other side and that sort of thing because with winter everything is sort of closing down and coming back inside itself well with Beltane it's the opposite it's a celebration of life and summer and all things blooming and growing and that's why everybody celebrates with a big bonfire and usually gets drunk and has a lot of sex so (laughs) so let's start actually (laughs) by talking about the crystals of the week first okay very excited about this topic because it's so interesting and very fun so the two crystals that i chose this week are amber and malachite so i'll begin with malachite and i'll talk about malachite from karen fraser's crystals for beginners book and what she says about it is malachite was the first crystal she discovered many years ago when she was a child. It's a beautiful deep green color with bands of lighter and darker green through it. It is a stone of the heart, nature, prosperity, and healing. It originates in the Congo, the Middle East, Russia, and Zambia. It comes in natural, tumbled, polished, carved, and cut shapes. It absorbs energy. It comes in green. Its chakra is the heart. To place it, you want to place it on or near the heart chakra as a necklace or bracelet in a suitcase or carry-on bag during travel. Malachite helps by absorbing negative energy, guarding against pollution, both energetic and physical, and protecting against accidents, relieving fears associated with travel. Malachite works really well with lapis lazuli. Malachite is believed to offer protection during air travel carry a small piece in a carry-on handbag or even your pocket when you fly. So that is what Miss Karen Fraser has to say about malachite. So let's look at what Judy Hall has to say about malachite in her crystal Bible book. So it comes in colors of green. Its appearance is concentric light and dark bands and rosettes, all sizes and often tumbled or polished. 
It's very easily obtained, so you should be able to buy them pretty easily. It comes from Romania, Zambia, Democratic Republic of the Congo, Russia, or the Middle East. Malachite is a powerful stone, but one that needs to be handled with caution. It is best used under the supervision of a qualified crystal therapist. It is toxic and should be used only in its polished form. Avoid breathing its dust. If used as a gem elixir, apply externally only or make by the indirect method of placing the stone in a glass container and standing this within spring water so that the stone does not touch the water. Malachite amplifies both positive and negative energies. It grounds spiritual energies onto the planet. It is believed by some people that malachite is still evolving and will be one of the most important healing stones of the new millennium. Malachite is already an important protection stone. It absorbs negative energies and pollutants easily, picking them up from the atmosphere and from the body. It should be cleansed before and after use by placing it on a quartz cluster in the sun. Do not use salt, which will damage the surface. Malachite soaks up plutonium pollutants and guards against radiation of all kinds. It should be placed in the home of anyone who lives near a nuclear or natural radiation source. It also clears electromagnetic pollution and heals earth energies. It has a strong affinity with nature and with the devic forces. This stone clears and activates the chakras and attunes to spiritual guidance. Placed on the third eye, it activates visualization and psychic vision. On the heart, it brings balance and harmony. It opens the heart to unconditional love. Malachite can be used for scrying or to access other worlds, inner or outer. Journeying through its convoluted patterns releases the mind and stimulates pictures. It can assist in receiving insights from the subconscious or messages from the future. Psychologically, malachite is a stone of transformation. Life is lived more intensely under the influence of this adventurous stone, which encourages risk-taking and change. It mercilessly shows what is blocking your spiritual growth. Malachite draws out deep feelings and psychosomatic causes, breaks unwanted ties and outworn patterns, and teaches how to take responsibility for one's actions, thoughts, and feelings. It releases inhibitions and encourages expressing feelings. This stone develops empathy with other people, showing how it would feel to be in their place. It alleviates shyness and supports friendships. Malachite is useful for psychosexual problems, especially when these have been caused by traumatic past life sexual experiences. It assists the rebirthing process. Mentally, malachite goes to the core of a problem, enhancing intuition and insight. It helps alleviate mental disturbances, including psychiatric illness and combat dyslexia. It strengthens the ability to absorb and process information, makes you more observant, and helps in understanding difficult concepts. Placed on the solar plexus, malachite facilitates deep emotional healing. It releases negative experiences and old traumas, bringing suppressed feelings to the surface and restoring the ability to breathe deeply. At this point, it balances the heart and navel chakras, revealing insights. At an emotional level, it may make moods more intense but quick to change. Malachite can be used for inner exploration. It stimulates dreams and brings memories vividly to life. However, malachite may need to be supported in the healing and transformation process by other stones. For healing, malachite is an extremely versatile healing stone. 
It is particularly useful for cramps, including menstrual cramps, and facilitates childbirth. It has been called the midwife stone. It resonates with the female sexual organs and treats any sexual dis-ease. The stone lowers blood pressure, treats asthma, arthritis, epilepsy, fractures, swollen joints, growths, travel sickness, vertigo, tumors, the optic nerve, pancreas, spleen, and the parathyroid. It aligns DNA and cellular structure and enhances the immune system. Malachite stimulates the liver to release toxins, reducing acidification of tissues. It treats diabetes when worn around the waist. To position, wear on the left hand or place on the third eye. Position as appropriate for healing. Place on the solar plexus to absorb negative emotions. Use polished malachite, an indirect method for elixir preparation. Apply externally. To note, malachite may cause slight heart palpitations, in which case remove immediately and replace with rose quartz or rhodonite. A road, yeah, no, I got that right, rhodonite. <laughs> hey, I was even reading this from the book, guys, so maybe it's just me. <laughs> okay, so there's also some combination stones with malachite. So with this one, this is malachite with chrysocolla. So malachite with chrysocolla may manifest as a clear gem crystal with a very high healing vibration. This combination symbolizes wholeness and peace. Placed on an area of imbalance, it gently restores equilibrium. If one stone is placed on the third eye and another on the solar plexus, mind, body, and emotions are balanced. So that is malachite. And I feel like that's a pretty um, appropriate stone for this Beltane season, I have to say, especially with the celebration of the earth and sexuality and all of those wonderful, beautiful things. Okay, so moving on to Amber. And this is what Karen Frazier says from the Crystals for Beginners book. She says, Amber is not technically a crystal. It's petrified tree sap. However, many people use it like a crystal because it has healing properties. It is best known in alternative healthcare as an anti-inflammatory used in baby teething necklaces. They wear it while supervised and don't actually chew on it. It originates in Baltic countries, Germany, Romania, and Russia. It comes in natural and cut shapes. It absorbs and amplifies energies. It comes in colors of brown, gold, golden brown, honey, and orange. Its primary chakra is the solar plexus. On the solar plexus chakra, you can place it near or any area of pain or inflammation as jewelry or in a pocket. Amber helps with pain and inflammation, generating positive energy, self-esteem, cleansing, stress relief, increasing life force, relieving anxiety, warding off others' energies, and it's excellent for empathetic people. Amber works well by itself. It's quite powerful, but it works well in conjunction with clear quartz. For arthritis-related pain in the hands, try wearing an amber bracelet. So that's what Karen Fraser has to say about amber. Now, what Miss Judy Hall says from the Crystal Bible about amber. Its colors are golden brown or yellow. Green is artificially colored. Its appearance is opaque or transparent resin, insects or vegetation trapped inside or various sizes. It's very easily obtained. 
It comes from sources of Britain, Poland, Italy, Romania, Russia, Germany, Myanmar, and Dominica. Strictly speaking, amber is not a crystal at all. It is tree resin that's solidified and becomes fossilized. It has strong connections with the earth and is grounding stone for higher energies. Amber is a powerful healer and cleanser that draws dis-ease from the body and promotes tissue revitalization. It also cleans the environment and the chakras. It absorbs negative energies and transmutes them into positive forces that stimulate the body to heal itself. A powerful protector, it links the everyday self to the higher spiritual reality. Psychologically, amber brings stability to life, but also motivates by linking what is wished for to the divine to achieve it. Its warm, bright energies translate into a sunny, spontaneous disposition that nevertheless respects tradition. It can help counteract suicidal or depressive tendencies. Mentally, amber stimulates the intellect, clears depression, and promotes a positive mental state and creative self-expression. It brings balance and patience and encourages decision-making, being a useful memory aid. Its flexibility dissolves opposition. Emotionally, amber encourages peacefulness and develops trust. Spiritually, amber promotes altruism and brings wisdom. For healing, amber is a powerful chakra cleanser and healer. At a physical level, it imbues the body with vitality and has the power to draw dis-ease out of the body. Oh no, actually, it says disease. So at a physical level, it imbues the body with vitality and has the power to draw disease out of the body. By absorbing pain and negative energy, amber allows the body to rebalance and heal itself. Amber alleviates stress. It resonates with the throat, treating goiters and other throat problems. It treats the stomach, spleen, kidneys, bladder, liver, and gallbladder, alleviates joint problems, and strengthens the muscle membranes. As an elixir, and for wound healing, it is an excellent natural antibiotic. It can stimulate the navel chakra and help in grounding energies into the body. For positioning, wear for prolonged periods, especially on the wrist or throat, or place as appropriate. If treating babies or children, it is beneficial for the mother to wear the stone first. So that is Amber. And I'm actually kind of surprised that we finished before 15 minutes with the crystals because I feel like I kind of got long-winded there for a while <laughs> with the crystals. So yay for making some good time, guys. <laughs> okay, so I found some amazing quotes. I actually found these last week, but I had already had quotes set up for last week. So I saved these for this week. They're really good. I have two of them. The first quote is actually written by an unknown author, and it is, Darkness has no power. It is just the absence of light. Trust in your light. When darkness comes, be the light. And the next quote is by Khalil Gibran, who's my, oh, one of my most favorite authors and artists. And what he says is, Many of us spend our whole lives running from feelings with the mistaken belief that you cannot bear the pain, but you have already borne the pain. What you have not done is feel all you are beyond the pain. Okay, so now we move on to talking about Beltane, the Fertility and Fire Festival. And First, let's go over some of the history of Beltane. So 
This article is the www.britannica.com and so Encyclopedia Britannica and the article is Beltane, obviously. And I don't know if there's any author on this. Doesn't look like it. It's just kind of brief, which is maybe that's good. So it says it says written by the editors of Encyclopedia Britannica. So I guess there's nobody really specific. So Beltane, also spelled Beltine or Beltine, Irish Beltane or B Beltane with two L's, also known as you know what? I tried looking up how to pronounce this. It's C-E-T-A-M-A-I-N. I legit tried to find out how to pronounce this. It would not tell me. I think that's I think I might have broken the internet, guys, because they couldn't tell me how to say this. So I'm not gonna try and pronounce it. I'll let you guys use your imagination as to how that's pronounced. So anyhow, Beltane Festival held on the first day of May in Ireland and Scotland, celebrating the beginning of summer and open pasturing. Beltane is first mentioned in a glossary attributed to Cormac, Bishop of Cashel and King of Munster, who was killed in 908. Cormac describes how cattle were driven between two bonfires on Beltane as a magical means of protecting them from disease before they were led into summer pastures, a custom still observed in Ireland in the 19th century. Other festivities include maypoles, dances, and cutting of green boughs and flowers. In early Irish lore, a number of significant events took place on Beltane, which long remained the focus of folk traditions and tales in Ireland, Scotland, and the Isle of Man. As did other pre-Christian Celtic peoples, the Irish divided the year into two main seasons. Winter and the beginning of the year fell on November 1st, or the Irish Samhain and mid-year and summer on May 1st are the Irish Beltane. These two junctures were thought to be critical periods when the bounds between the human and supernatural worlds were temporarily erased. On May Eve, witches and fairies roamed freely and measures had to be taken against their enchantments. Cormac derives the word Beltane from the name of a god Bel or Beel and the old Irish word Teen or fire. I don't know if I said that right either. Despite linguistic difficulties, a number of 20th century scholars have maintained modified versions of this etymology, linking the first element of the word with the Gaulish god Belenos, or Irish Belenus. So that's what the Encyclopedia Britannica says about Beltane. Now let's go to www.learnreligions.com forward slash the history of Beltane and May Day. This article was written by Patty Wingington. And this is what she says. She says, Beltane kicks off the merry month of May and has a long history. This fire festival is celebrated on May 1st in the Northern Hemisphere and at the end of October below the equator with bonfires, maypoles, dancing, and lots of good old fashioned sexual energy. The key takeaways with Beltane is the first one being Beltane, which falls on May 1st in the Northern Hemisphere is a season associated with the fertility of the land, planting, and fire. The second is, in some pagan belief systems, Beltane is a time in which the boundary between our worlds and the fairy realm is thin. And the third, there are many pre-Christian figures connected to the Sabbath celebration, including the Green Man and the god Cernunos. (laughs) I have a feeling that there's going to be a couple of like, god-goddess names or certain other names that are going to be really challenging to pronounce, so please bear with me. (laughs) 
I'm talking to you for any whoever. I know you're listening and you're probably going to correct me on some of these. (laughs) So anyhow, Celtic and Roman influences. The Celts honored the fertility of the gods with gifts and offerings, sometimes including animal or human sacrifice. Cattle were driven through the smoke of the bale fires and blessed with health and fertility for the coming year. In Ireland, the fires of Tara were the first ones lit every year at Beltane, and all other fires were lit with the flame from Tara. The Romans, always known for celebrating holidays in a big way, spent the first day of May paying tribute to their lairs, the gods of their household. They also celebrated the Floralia, or festival of flowers, which consisted of three days of unbridled sexual activity. Participants wore flowers in their hair, much like May Day celebrants later on, and there were plays, songs, and dances. At the end of the festivities, animals were set loose inside the Circus Maximus, and beans were scattered around to ensure fertility. The fire festival of Bonadea was also celebrated on May 2nd. The celebration, held at Bonadea's temple on the Adventine Hill, was a festival of women, mostly plebeian, who served as priestesses and sacrificed a sow in fertility goddess's honor. The Greeks in Plantaria. Also in May, the Greeks celebrated the Plantaria in honor of Athena, the goddess of wisdom and battle, and the patroness of the city of Athens, which was named after her. The Plantaria includes the ritual cleansing of Athena's statue, along with feasting and prayers in the Parthenon, Although this was a fairly minor festival, it was significant to the people of Athens. The Plantaria, like many other Greek festivals, lasted two to three days, beginning around May 25th, and temples were closed to the general public. In the Temple of Athena, only women performed the tasks of cleansing the statue, which was hidden behind a large cloth so that no one could see it during the sacred time. On the 24th, homage is paid to the Greek moon goddess Artemis, goddess of the hunt and wild animals. Artemis is a lunar goddess, equivalent to the Roman moon goddess Diana. She is also identified with Luna and Hecate. Hecate? One of these days I'll figure it out, guys. (laughs) A pagan martyr. On May 6th, is the day of okay here we go so here's here's where we get some really interesting names and i think it's because they're norse names and they have a lot of different very strange letters associated okay may 6th is the day of evend kelda or ivand kelvi in norse celebrations ivand kelda was a norwegian martyr who was tortured and drowned on the orders of king olaf trigvason for refusing to give up his pagan beliefs. According to the tales of the Hemskringla, oh the Chronicles of the King of Norway, one of the best-known Norse sagas compiled by Snorri Sturluson, around 1230 CE, Olaf announced that once he had converted to Christianity, everyone else in his country needed to be baptized as well. Ivand, who was believed to be a powerful sorcerer, managed to escape Olaf's troops and make his way to an island, along with other men who continued to believe in the old gods. Unfortunately, Olaf and his army happened to arrive there at the same time. Although Ivand tried to protect his men with magic, once the mists and fog cleared, they were exposed and captured by Olaf's soldiers. A week later, Norwegians celebrated the festival of the Midnight Sun, which pays tribute to the Norse sun goddess. This festival marks the beginning of 10 straight weeks without darkness, 
Today, the celebration of music, art, and nature is a popular spring celebration in Norway. Now let's talk about the Green Man. So the Green Man emerges. A number of pre-Christian figures are associated with the month of May and subsequently Beltane. The entity known as the Green Man, strongly related to Cernanos, is often found in the legends and lore of the British Isles and is a masculine face covered in leaves and shrubbery. In some parts of England, a green man is carried through town in a wicker cage as the town folk welcome the beginning of summer. Impressions of the green man's face can be found in the ornamentation of many Europe's older cathedrals, despite edicts from local bishops forbidding stonemasons from including such pagan imagery. A related character is Jack in the Green, a spirit of the Greenwood. References to Jack appear in British literature back as far as the late 16th century. Sir James Fraser associated, oh man, did, did some of you outlanders get a little geeked out by that? I, I did. <laughs> because, yeah, James Fraser. <laughs> anyway, I'm sorry, moving on. Sir James Fraser associated the figure with mummers and the celebration of the life force of trees. Jack in the Green was seen even in the Victorian area when he was associated with soot-faced chimney sweeps. At this time, Jack was framed in a structure of wicker and covered with leaves and surrounded by Morris dancers. Some scholars suggest that Jack may have been an ancestor to the legend of Robin Hood. Ancient Symbols and Modern Rites Today's pagans celebrate Beltane much like their ancestors did. A Beltane ritual usually involves lots of fertility symbols, including the obviously phallic maypole dance. The maypole is a tall pole decorated with flowers and hanging ribbons, which are woven into intricate patterns by a group of dancers. Weaving in and out, the ribbons are eventually knotted together by the time the dancers reach the end. In some Wiccan traditions, Beltane is a day in which the May Queen and the Queen of Winter battle one another for supremacy. There are some who believe Beltane is a time for the fairies. The appearance of flowers around this time of year heralds the beginning of summer and shows us that the fae are hard at work. In early folklore, to enter the realm of fairies is a dangerous step. And yet, the more helpful deeds of the Fae should always be acknowledged and appreciated. If you believe in fairies, Beltane is a good time to leave out food and other treats for them in your garden or yard. Which I honestly think would be a really cute idea if you have kids. I think if you have like, maybe, or, or children in your family, like nieces or nephews or whatever, like this would be a really fun little activity to do. You can leave out little thimbles with like, uh, sugar water in it and little flowers and maybe little pieces of fruit or pennies and stuff like that. I remember being in Ireland, we did a fairy walk and they had decorated along this little path little houses, which maybe that could be another little thing you could do. You could find little bird houses and make fairy houses for the fairies and you leave those little offerings on the front porch, if you will, of the little fairy houses. It's very sweet <laughs> and super fun. Kids absolutely love it. For many contemporary pagans, Beltane is a time for planting and sowing of seeds again. The fertility theme appears. The buds and flowers of early May bring to mind the endless cycle of birth, growth, death, and rebirth that we see in the earth. 
Certain trees are associated with May Day, such as the ash, oak, and hawthorn. In Norse legend, the god Odin hung from an ash tree for nine days, and it later became known as the World Tree, or Uch, Yggdrasil, Y-G-G-D-R-A-S-I-L. Okay, if you've been wanting to bring abundance and fertility of any sort into your life, whether you're looking to convince a child, enjoy fruitfulness in your career or creative endeavors, or just see your garden bloom, Beltane is the perfect time for magical workings related to any type of prosperity. Okay, so one of the things I wanted to look up for you guys too is certain ways that you can celebrate Beltane now that we kind of understand what it is and some of the history behind it. So I looked up another article, and this one is by Catherine Ann Lee from numerologist.com, and this is 10 Ways to Celebrate Beltane, the Sacred Festival of Spring. And what she says is, even though we live further from the land and the natural cycles of the earth in these modern times, celebrating festivals such as Beltane can have a profound impact on our own well-being and sense of connectedness to our own vitality. Even the simplest intentional act can completely shift your perspective of life and our planet. So here are the 10 ways. So the first one is build a fire. Our farming ancestors would light a fire and then have their cattle jump over it to ensure protection from disease and from the troublesome fay for the rest of the year. Leaping over your fire could be a fun activity to call in purification and protection, though keep it safe. The next thing, or the second one, is dance. As a festival of sensuality and pleasure, dancing is a great way to run that springtime energy through your body and energize like the earth around you. The third one is make a mandala. Create a mandala out of natural objects as an offering of gratitude and respect to mother nature. These are so much easier to make than they look and is so satisfying. I'll actually post a picture of one of these on the Facebook page so that way you guys can see what we're talking about. And I hope I'm saying that right. Maybe it's mandala, mandala, I don't know. The fourth one is practice a pleasure ritual. What brings you pleasure? eating expensive chocolate or juicy ripe peaches, swimming naked, lounging between silk bed sheets. Make a point of doing that one thing today and enjoying every last second. Or why not all of them? I mean, I think every single one of those things sounds amazing, so why not? <laughs> Maybe that's overindulgent, I don't know, but I, I, would, I would find time to do every single one of those things. <laughs> the fifth thing is be an amplifier for joy. Set an intention to radiate joy. Make the people around you smile. Give them compliments and perform random acts of kindness wherever you go. Amplify the joy and love that is present in the natural world through your own presence for a day and see how life feels. The sixth thing is gather flowers. Fill your home or working space with fresh flowers. Adorn your hair, clothes, desk, coffee table, even your car dashboard. Bring the most beautiful manifestations of life's fertility and abundance into your life. And I think another thing would be plant your garden, but actually she mentions that, so we'll continue on. The seventh one is collect rainwater. But what if it isn't raining? 
Sure, rain can make some Beltane celebrations tricky, but rain is sacred too. Collect the rainwater and use it as an elixir for washing or anointing yourself, your home, and your sacred spaces. I imagine that would be really good for, remember I was talking about Florida water, maybe you can add some of the rainwater or even moon water to the Florida water. Even though a majority of it is vodka, you could still add it in there and make it pretty powerful, I think. The eighth one is have sacred sex. Many pagan practices involve rituals of sacred sex, but on Beltane, this festival of fertility and ecstasy, any sex can be supercharged, especially by doing it outside. If you have a willing partner and an adventurous spirit, and somewhere you'll be, you'll be <laughs> disturbed, why not go wild? The ninth is create a fertility altar. It doesn't need to be concerned with conceiving children. Your fertility altar could be in service to creating a life of ideas, opportunities, adventure, holidays, the growth of investments, or a burgeoning spiritual practice. Honor and invite in more of whatever you wish at this time of annual abundance. I think my friend uh, Michaela would make a really good fertility altar for any of her she has so many amazing ideas that are just coming out the woodworks for her and my friend robin i think they need to invest in making a fertility altar because i think they have such amazing ideas and can create these amazing things so you guys maybe you should make a fertility altar <laughs> oh don't be mad at me okay <laughs> the next thing is plan and plant your garden what better day to till the soil and plant some seeds Make gardening a ritual act as you co-create with nature, connecting with the elements, the earth, water, fire, sun, and heat, and air will help you bring more of their essence into your life and alchemize your ongoing transformation. I actually bought a couple of seeds to plant. They're morning glories because I absolutely love morning glories. So I figured I'd get those out there and start planting. And uh, we recently planted a couple of bulb flowers, which my... Um, toddler decided she was going to pull up which was great we still replanted them so you know they still count <laughs> anyhow that's pretty much the gist of Beltane and I hope that you guys maybe find even if it's something small you don't have to do anything really huge even if it's just lighting a candle and doing some of these things or just setting an intention you know during your meditative practice and you know setting an intention for you know fertile ideas and growing concepts that you may have or whatever that may be this would be a great time for it or like the thing we talked about last week with spiritual communication since the veil between our realm and the spirit realm is super thin right now why don't make some time to talk to your ancestors and get some ideas and ask some questions or just say hi but anyhow that's pretty much it and i really hope that you guys have a wonderful and super fun jam-packed may day and i hope that you enjoy the sunshine and beauty of the day and celebrate our health and our happiness and our livelihood on may day so with all the love in my heart i say love and light to every single one of you and I look forward to talking to you next week.
If you find yourself interested in receiving an intuitive tarot reading, contact me at 3rdeyelorelei at gmail.com or you can message me on my Instagram at 3rd.eye.with.lorelei or on Facebook at Third Eye with Lorelei Podcast to set up a reading. I can do Zoom or we can meet in person as long as we are wearing those face masks and practicing social distancing just to be safe. As always, love and light to you all, and I look forward to reading you soon.